catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Duval, welcome back to the Gin Jag podcast. Jordan DeLugo and Jeremy Markoski here with you. We've been away for a bit, but with the off-season program in the books, training camp on the horizon, we thought now is the perfect time to get back together, talk some Jags football as summer break uh, is officially underway now for the Jaguars. Uh, today we're going to offer our biggest kind of takeaways and storylines to monitor throughout the summer um, as Training camp is about a little over a month away. And we're also going to answer some mailbag questions. Our second mailbag episode that we've done together here. Jeremy, it's been way too long. Tell me, how are you, buddy? <laughs> it has been a while, man. We're doing great. Finally uh, starting to settle in back in Jack's, which, you know, is fantastic. Glad to be back in in Duval, you know, the 904. And, uh, you know, just, just settling in. Got a nice vacation to start the summer. Um, you know, we're hearing a lot of good things out of, out of uh, OTAs, you know, a lot of promising storylines and stuff like that. So everything's going really well. I'm, I'm really excited to uh, see what the summer holds for the team. Excited to talk some Tim Tebow. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's kind of worn itself out, you know, to be quite honest. I, we haven't really heard much, you know, from, from OTAs regarding Tebow, except for little bits and pieces here and there. But he's still the number one selling uh, jersey in the NFL right now. So everything that they wanted him to do, I think is definitely paying off dividends quite literally for the team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We'll talk, we'll have to talk about him a little bit later, of course, but um, yeah, I just secured my PS five. Oh, the there first you go. time ever. I was kind of just like, all right, let me go log on. I see the Walmart's dropping them at three o'clock today. Cause you know, so many people have been trying to get these things for like almost a year now. Yeah. And I had always been like, I'm just going to wait till, they'll, till they're readily available. I'm not going to put myself through the pain and agony of, you know, trying to refresh the screen and getting one. And I went ahead and did it today. And I, I must have some good karma going on or something because <laughs> I was able to secure the bag. Yeah, man. I, hey, I did the exact same thing real quick while we're on it. Same thing. I, I was telling myself, I'm an Xbox guy, though, not a PlayStation guy. But I was telling myself, I'm going to wait till they're readily available. And I even had like the uh, Twitter notifications on for like drops and stuff like that, just to see, you know, they're usually way gone before I can even get there. But one day at work, I just decided, hey, let me just check Target. I just happened to hop on Target's website and they had them available in stock completely at the store, like right next to me. So I grabbed one immediately. And like two minutes later, all the tweets started coming in, dropping all the links and they were sold out in like 30 seconds. So, yeah, hey, man, sometimes it's just better to be lucky. Yeah, one of my best buddies. 
He's been trying to get one for quite a while now, and he was on the same Walmart thing I was on, and he didn't get one. Oh, so that's tough. He's pretty pissed at me for just going ahead and, <laughs> you know, first time getting lucky there. That's but tough. Like I said, I must have done something right. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk, start talking about some football. This is not a video game podcast. Uh, but be sure to check out jinjag.com to keep up with all the latest Jaguars news and analysis. Also got a lot of fun merch on there. And a huge thank you, as always, to Bold City Brewery. Make sure to check them out at their downtown location on East Bay Street. They've also got their original tap room over on Roselle and Riverside. Before we get into these takeaways and storylines from minicamp, a couple little bits of news. I'm not sure if you saw this, but Jimmy Smith called into 1010XL today. Uh, you know, they didn't reach out to him. He just wanted to call in and get something off his chest. He told uh, the guys on, gosh, the midday show. XL primetime, right? Yeah, primetime. Told them the former coaching staff in Jacksonville didn't want a number one receiver. And Keenan McCardo was not allowed to coach the receivers, especially DJ Shark, the way he wanted to. He said DJ wasn't able to develop the way Keenan would have liked. And essentially, Jimmy Smith believes the previous coaching staff somewhat stunted DJ's growth last year. I mean, that's... I, I think the previous coaching staff probably didn't really help with a lot of players' growth, to be honest on this roster, but for Jimmy to call in and say that, I thought that was very telling. Yeah, I saw that today as well, and it kind of just caught me off guard. You know, like you said, I really don't think that uh, the previous coaching staff did anything more than stunt a lot of players' growth. I mean, we saw that, but I just, it it was kind of weird, you know, kind of like you said, an unprompted call um, just to get it off his chest. I wasn't listening to XL Primetime at the time, so I don't know, you know, the the contents of what their conversation was, you know, like what prompted Jimmy to just make this claim out of nowhere. So it it was a little shocking to me, but you know, everything that was done last year, you know, everything that was done by that coaching staff, you know, the last two years, really none of it makes a lot of sense, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if some things definitely changed because we saw the difference in Chark. And I know that a lot of it was, you know, the quarterback play as well. And there's so much that goes into it, but you know, I, I wouldn't have been surprised. I wouldn't have been surprised if they decided to kind of, you know, do their own thing. It seemed like there was a power struggle kind of brewing in that locker room, you know, trying to keep everybody in check. There's so much that was probably going on behind the scenes that we have no idea about. But like I said, really for me, the biggest thing is just why, like what prompted him to make that call to make that declaration on the radio? I, I really, it, it baffles me. Yeah, at the very least, I think the former coaching staff wasn't doing something that Urban Meyer has harped on quite a bit already and that's maximizing resources we will talk about that more when we get into the takeaways from minicamp but um yeah i i I absolutely believe what jimmy's saying there and um i think that applies to probably a lot of the different players that have been on the roster over the last couple years uh other little tiny bit of news kind of fun trevor lawrence he made his first appearance in a madden trailer today with the madden 22 trailer dropping uh it was quick, but it was nice to see uh, the, the flowing locks of Trevor Lawrence and those new Teal Home uniforms. Oh, yeah, man. They were really, really working on the uh, the graphics for his hair there. I opened that up, and that was the first thing I saw, and they made it look they made it look nice. You know, you, you've seen some of the graphics in the past. I'm sure if you're a Madden player, just the hair never is something that looks right. But, hey, man, they're really focusing in on Sunshine's Golden Locks, that's for sure. <laughs> 
Still can't call him Sunshine, but you can if you want to. Um, so, top takeaways from minicamp. So, the Jaguars don't have a starting quarterback right now or a starting kicker. What do you make of that? I, I, I kind of just chuckled to myself. I think that there's two things going on here. Either A, you know, it, this is just coach talk, but I think coach talk has its certain limitations, you know, and only goes to a certain extent. Um, you don't really see people make crazy declarations like that. I mean, let, let, let's be real. You know, Trevor Lawrence is the number one overall pick. He's quite possibly the greatest prospect to ever come out uh, of college, uh, especially at the most important position of football. There's no doubt in anybody's mind that week one, he's going to be the starter unless he has some sort of massive meltdown in camp, you know, comes out and has just the worst opening to a career that we've ever seen worse than Ryan leaf, you know, worse than anybody. I, I, you just, there's no, no real world scenario where he's not the starter. Um, One thing that's, you know, I found pretty funny and I know we're plugging 1010 XL in here a lot is I was actually listening to the radio on the way to work this morning. And uh, Dan Hicken mentioned that, you know, Back in the day, they would, you know, play little games with each other, you know, as as broadcast partners and try to like work words into certain things and tell people, hey, I'm going to go say this during the broadcast and stuff like that. Um, And, you know, they were talking about, you know, coaches doing stuff like that as well, just kind of, you know, behind the scenes being like, hey, watch I'm going to go say this press conference, watch this, watch this, throw this gets like just joking. So maybe something like that. But I mean, really, the quarterback thing was a head scratcher now. The kicking competition, I made my feelings very known on Twitter. You could cut Josh Lambeau today, and I would still bet money that he's a Jaguar starting kicker uh, to come into the regular season. He's been the best kicker. Except for the fact that someone's going to sign him. Well, okay, yes. That, yeah. Okay, yes, fair. But you get exaggeration. But, dude, the, the, the numbers don't lie. The guy's been the best kicker in the league since he's gotten here. Again, it's either just nonsense coach talk. You know, Coach Sorensen is coming in, and, and he's – new here. So, uh, you know, I can understand his, you know, aspect of things, you know, trying to be professional, trying to say the right things, you know, learning how to talk to the media and stuff like that. But Shotty Schottenheimer has been around the game for a long time. He's not really throwing any smoke screens. There's no, you know, diversion here. This is just a bold face lie straight to the cameras. <laughs> well, I don't know if the coaches believe it's a lie. And the thing that I, I'm kind of taking away from this is they're just trying to preach competition, competition, competition at every level of the team. And, you know, they might know in their heads or in their private meeting rooms that Lambo is going to be the guy, that Lawrence is going to be the guy. But they're not going to tell them that right now. And they're not going to tell the team that they're not going to tell the media that uh, because they want to, you know, breed competition. And I don't have a problem with that at all. I mean, if they honestly believe that Lambeau is in a real competition with Aldrich Rosas, then that is probably a problem. And if they honestly believe Minshew can compete with Lawrence, then that is also a problem. But if they're just trying to create a atmosphere of competition, which I believe is the case, you know, no big deal here. And I don't think they've really come out and said anybody is a starter. I just think those are the two positions they've been asked about at this point. So, you know, there are no starters right now in my mind. I agree. I mean, I think it's definitely too early on to have a depth chart. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, just with the two positions and the two players in question that that they made these claims about, it's totally just 
unfounded. I mean, I understand that you want to create, you know, a culture of competition and you want guys to be striving to be their best and have something to look forward to and play towards. But I mean, come on, we all got to look in the mirror. We all got to know that this is Trevor Lawrence's team. Urban Meyer would not be here if Trevor Lawrence was not here, you know, and yeah, it just, he's not wasting any time with this Gardner Minshew yeah. uh, playing. He's not wasting. He's time. not, he's not. And, and, you know, I, I've had some thoughts about Gardner and I love that Gardner's here and I still want him to be here. I'm like most people. I, I don't think the Jaguars should get rid of him. I think there's no upside in getting rid of him. There's really not. Cause you're only going to break even on value, but you've got a guy who has starting experience in the NFL, you know, uh, something a lot of teams don't have. Um, but, Let's be very, very clear that this is Trevor Lawrence's job to lose, and it would take a massive, massive meltdown in his play. You know, both legs, something crazy would have to happen for him to not be the quarterback. I don't even want to speak on anything because I don't want to jinx it or even think about it, but you get what I'm getting at. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's going to start week one. Lambo's going to start week one. Uh, no, no real worries there. I just think it is again breeding that that sense of competition throughout the roster, and I think that is a good thing. And it's kind of like a college mentality. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. I think every, and I don't think the players have a problem with it. Everybody seems to be um, really going out there and busting their ass and having a good time doing it. So, no worries on that front right now for me. Uh, Caleb on Chase on. Tested positive for COVID-19. Um, we haven't gotten any confirmation of if he has been retested. Urban Meyer said he would be, or like, is he actually positive? Was it a false positive? Is he having any symptoms? We don't know anything about that. But he was unable to participate in minicamp. And really not a big deal here as long as, you know, he's not going to have any long-term impact on his ability to play football, um, you know, heading into training camp, which he shouldn't. Most people don't, but you never know. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's kind of surprising, at least to me, it was kind of caught me off guard. You know, even though we're in this COVID day and age, you're kind of starting to see, you know, these reports, stuff like this kind of dwindle down. You don't really have any COVID positives jumping up anymore. You know, the, the, the rates have gone way down. You're not, it's not a big focal point anymore in training camp and practice in the NFL. Um, I'm kind of surprised that there wasn't a deeper designation for him because I thought at a certain time, maybe the policies have changed since last year, but I thought they had to indicate whether it was a positive test or just high risk contact to exposure. Um, and I didn't see any of that. So hoping he's okay. Hoping, you know, maybe it was just a, an ex- well, Meyer said he was, positive. Oh, did he? Oh, I missed that. I yeah. missed that. Cause I didn't see that on the, on the, on the report. I just saw that he was out, but okay. Well, you know, definitely hoping that he obviously is going to get better and, and you hope there are no long-term complications. But, you know, good thing is it happened now. Um, you know, it's, it's only June and he's not missing any, um, you know, real serious time leading up into the season. Yeah, I just hope that he's able to get into training camp at full strength. You know, hopefully this isn't able to or this right. doesn't have any no sort complications. of impact on, on his working out even right now. You mm-hmm. know, like you don't want to get two weeks behind from working out type of deal even if that's the 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 severity of it um hopefully a non-issue we'll have to monitor it throughout throughout the rest of the summer and heading into training camp but hopefully a non-issue for him because he's going to be relied upon in a big way i think by this defense and uh joe cullen talked about it last week 
Chase Sun's going to be playing Sam linebacker in the 3-4 scheme, which is obviously different than the 4-3 Sam linebacker. There are some similarities. Essentially, it's a lot like a 4-3 Sam that plays on the line of scrimmage and rushes the passer quite a bit, but there will be some of that dropping into coverage and um and, you know, shallow zones, that sort of thing. Yeah, and and it's great for him. I, I think they're putting him in a much better position to succeed. Again, we're talking about 1010XO. I heard Frank Frangie on the radio today on the way home talking about Joe Cullen's first impression with Chase on's tape was this kid really has the ability to be a player. We like what we've seen from this guy so far, but you know, the glaring question was what were they doing with this kid at, you know, what, six, whatever, 245 pounds playing a four, three defensive end. Like you're just setting him up for failure in that position. So seeing him, you know, come in, play Sam, he's fast. He's going to be able to get to the sideline. He's Looks like we lost Jeremy there for a second. Let's see if we can get him back. I don't know. Well, yeah, so Chase on and Josh Allen. Hopefully we can get Jeremy back here in a second. But Chase on and Allen, they're both going to be playing positions here that as Josh Allen said, it's what got them here. It's what they played in college. They're both very athletic guys. And uh, it's just, it's a good situation. We got Jeremy texting and did I lose you? You back? Buddy? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, it looks like you went offline for a second, but no worries. We didn't have much dead air. I was talking about how Josh Allen and Caleb on chase on, they're getting back to what got them here. And Josh Allen talked about that. They're both three, four outside linebacker type players. That's what they did in college. And that's what they're going to be best at, at, at the next level. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I whatever um, got cut out, I'll, I'll mention it again. I just, I think that they're finally putting him in a position to succeed, you know, in that three, four Sam linebacker, he's a fast guy. He's going to be able to range, uh, you know, to and from the sideline. Uh, he's going to be a great tackler. And they're really, really, really setting him up to be a successful pass rusher as well. And I think that's where he's going to thrive, you know, really be able to bend the edge, rush from a two point stance, really, you know, use his speed and his athleticism to get around these big offensive linemen. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun to watch, and they're going to be heavily relying on these two guys. And there are other pass rushers, other guys that can get the job done here in Jacksonville, other guys that will need to get the job done here in Jacksonville. But Joe Cullen came out, and he said that he absolutely believes that they will double their sack total from last year, which isn't a huge number. But still, that is a big leap that you're going to have to make going from one season to the next doubling a sack total, a team sack total, that is. Um, and even if they double it, that wouldn't be really close to the top of the NFL, more closer to middle of the pack, but it's something they absolutely need to do. And chase on and Allen are going to be a huge part of that. Now I want to talk shift gears a little bit. We've been talking about players a lot more. I want to talk about urban Meyer in general and just kind of what's been going on with him. I think he's been a little bit of a national punching bag just because of, the Chris Doyle situation, and then the Tim Tebow signing. But despite those two things, I just think there's been so much good. I really, I really, prior to the 
hiring of Urban Meyer, I was on board with it. And now seeing kind of what he's done just to this point, only about five months into the Urban Meyer experience, I think it's really fascinating. You look at the sports training, it's night and day compared to what it was prior. I mean, you've got DJ Chark putting on seven pounds of muscle. If you've seen pictures of him, videos of him, he looks like a transformed player. He doesn't look like a skinny receiver anymore. He really kind of looks like a wide receiver one now, and that is what the Jaguars need him to be for this offense to be as good as it can be. And Urban Meyer heavily influenced that. We all know he called him up and told him he needs to play with more strength, play more physical, add some muscle. He did that. He got faster as well. James Robinson worked on getting faster all offseason, and he believes he accomplished that, again, thanks to Urban Meyer teaching him about knee drive, which is a a, a, a drill or a area of running that, you know, distance runners and uh, sprinters, they work on their knee drive. Urban Meyer has been helping him with that. You've seen LaVisca Chenault come out looking even more of a freak than he did last year. Um, and all these guys, they just look like they're in the best shape of their lives. And I know that's kind of a uh, cliche, but they really do look that way. I think a lot of that is on Urban Meyer and the sports training that he's brought in. Uh, the maximizing of resources, as I mentioned before, with the um, training staff, it's an open they want you to go in and get treatment. They don't give you a hard time. They don't make you feel like you're less than for going to get treatment for even the smallest nicks and bruises. And that is going to help these guys stay healthy. And uh, the nutrition is up in terms of what they're providing the players for uh, the whole mentality. And like I said, the competition. And then also he's the catalyst behind this whole football performance complex that they're working on. Uh, that's going to be basically a second home for the Jaguars outside of the stadium. I just think I can't say enough about what Urban Meyer's done for this program already. The beginning of Urban Meyer's reign in Duval came with its bumps and bruises. Obviously, you mentioned the whole Crystal situation, and that was just a very obvious fumble. But make no mistake about it, the narrative around Urban Meyer in the NFL is a positive one, and it is no short of, of excellent. I mean, uh, just hearing media and players and you know former players all talking about the impact they think Urban Meyer has had in Jacksonville thus far, the impact that he's going to you know have going forward. No one expects him to fail. I mean, let's just be honest; he hasn't failed before. Everywhere he's been, he's been a success. Everywhere he's been, you know that they've 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 been champions and and they've been winners, and he just brings that track record and that mentality to the NFL. I think one of the biggest things that he brings, uh, you, know, you mentioned the, the sports performance and the nutrition and all that stuff, and, and I think that he's really it's like we're losing Jeremy that, again there. Um, and the biggest part he just moved that, into a new place. Being, Sounds like the internet connection is uh, not cooperating with like, us. But the bottom line here, we talk about this culture and the program that he's built. I think it's awesome. Uh, it's been laid. The foundation for this culture has been laid. But as Joe Schobert said last week, it doesn't matter. This doesn't matter unless you win. You're taking these young high school age football players and you're really building them up. You're, you're really starting them from scratch. Once you're in the NFL, 
that's expected of you. Yes, there are off-season workouts, and yes, you're working out all the time in the facilities, and yes, you have a nutritionist and all that kind of stuff, but you're a professional now. That stuff isn't as focused on as it is in the college game, so I think Urban is bringing that uh, that aspect of it to the NFL, and it's it's paying dividends. Like you said, Chark has has gotten bigger, and and James Robinson has gotten faster, and all these guys are getting behind Urban Meyer. You know, there's there's no headbutting going on. He's calling players out. He really is, you know, but but doing it in a proper way, and the players are responding to that, and and that's just a change that that you know it's something that we haven't seen here in the past. You know, we've had players who get called out by executives or get called out by coaches and, and it does not bode well. So all in all, it just seems like everything is going as well as you could expect it to. And, and, you know, you mentioned the performance center that they're now building. Yeah. He was a huge catalyst of that. And urban Meyer is touching every single part of this program and making every single part of this program better than it was before. And that's all you can ask. Yeah, it is. I had lost you there for a second. I, again, I have no clue what's going on. I have full internet. I do not know. Like it, it, it's yeah. weird. I, I don't know. Might be a recording software. Who knows? But I, you definitely got your point across there. And um, I was saying while while we didn't have you, um, that the bottom line, this culture, it does seem awesome. The program seems just phenomenal. But as Joe Schobert said last week, it's only going to work if they win. Now, all of this is the point of all of this is to get wins. But does this message start to fall flat, not work if the wins don't come? Yeah, that, that will happen. But everything they're doing is to make sure that winning is going to come. And I think that you, you know, you're, you're 100% correct in saying that the message is going to fall flat if they don't win. Let's just kind of go back to the last, you know, the last few regimes that were here. You know, mainly with with Gus Bradley, when that came in, you know, he was a player's coach and he was, you know, everything was great. The energy was great. The culture was great. And then, you know, you didn't win. And and then it became it became a mess. Same thing with with Doug Marone. I feel like he came in and it was a a very stark difference. You know, he was a a hard nosed guy and we're doing things by the book and they were having old school, hard training camps and things were good when the team was improving. But as soon as you start losing again, it, it all falls through. So obviously. This could all change, but something just feels different. You know, the, the team feels different. Things are moving different. Obviously, having Trevor Lawrence, you know, uh, in the organization is definitely going to help that because it's, it, you know, it's, there's more light at the end of the tunnel than we've ever had before. But something's just different about it, man. I don't know, just the way the, the players talk, the way, um, you know, Griffin has, has been so outspoken during OTAs, you know, everything just seems different. It seems like everyone's bought in, everyone's working together, and, when you have a unit like that that plays together, you don't always have to have the you know the best of the best guys. But when you have everyone doing their job and everything meshing so well, that's a recipe for a lot of wins for a long time. That's a recipe for a really dangerous football team, and I love what I'm seeing so far. Yeah, and kind of talking about um, players buying in, Nobody on the Jaguars' defense, for the most part, had bought into what Todd Wash was doing the last few years. You saw countless players come out and kind of talk negatively about it, and it's because he was rigid. He would not change what he wanted to do, even when it wasn't working. He would not provide any variety with this defense. He wouldn't. He couldn't. And uh, Joe Cullen's going to be the opposite of that, as we've seen 
Um, Joe Schobert has said that they've been running about 50% of their plays have been blitzes so far in camp. And you're going to see a lot of versatility and variations with the defensive front and with the, uh, the defensive backs. You're going to see a lot of different looks and you're going to see these linebackers, Joe Schobert and Miles Jack in particular, being able to just attack the football. And when players know that, players know what Joe Cullen comes from, they see what they're doing here, it gets them excited. <laughs> it's hard to blame them. Absolutely. And and I love as well, you know, the, the frequency of blitzing that we're seeing because it's not something that you saw in the past. It's it's totally different, but you know, it, it forces quarterbacks to beat you. You know, we're gonna put a lot of guys in your face. We're gonna make you beat us when the pressure's on. And you know, I feel like really that's a recipe for success in the NFL because there's only a handful of guys that are going to be able to just stand in the pocket with with men in their face and beat you time in and time out. And even those guys, you know, you're going to be able to get to them at some point. So just the speed that I think this team is playing with is it, so different than it was last year. The effort and enthusiasm, again, I know it's only OTAs, but it all just feels so different. Yeah, it does. And um, you mentioned kind of getting after the quarterback. The Essentially, the game plan prior with Todd Wash was we're going to wait until they make a mistake and we're going to get off the field on third down by doing that. Now they're trying to force the mistakes in Jacksonville. Joe Cullen is trying to create mistakes from the offense instead of just waiting for one to happen. So uh, it's going to be a completely different looking defense. How quickly will it mesh? How quickly will they gel on Sundays in the fall this this fall? I'm not sure. We'll see how it all works out. I do think they've got more talent. I think they've got a much better scheme. And I think it'll be a it would be shocking to me if they have to suffer the same amount of attrition on the defensive side of the ball this year as they did last year. People kind of forget that, but Josh Allen missed a ton of time. Miles Jack, CJ Henderson, Jared Wilson, uh all these guys missed a ton of time. So hopefully they can remain a little bit more healthy, and I think you'll see some much better results if that is the case. Now, I'm not sure if you caught it, but media met with Anthony Schlegel yesterday, the strength and conditioning coordinator. He is just a character. If if you didn't catch that, I encourage everyone listening to go just watch that press conference. I think it's on the Jaguars YouTube page. Um, I just wanted to hit on a couple of the little things he brought up. He brought up give a shit factor, which is just an awesome new phrase, I think, uh, to to bring into the locker room. And basically, it's just about exactly what it is, giving a shit. Um, and it, he was talking about that from the coach's perspective and from the players. If the coaches are showing that they care about their players, which Urban Myers talked a lot, a lot about as well, the players respond. You have to establish the fact that you care about them before they can respond to you positively. And Schlegel's uh, big on that. He's also patented a few training devices. I think the Jaguars are using two of them already. Um, so he's a guy that is just obsessed with improving performance. And he, he's patented his own devices that the Jags are using. One's out on the field and one's in the weight room. And uh, he's also famous for the tackle. When he was on the Ohio State sideline, you had a fan storm the field, and he just form-tackled form him into oblivion, uh, the poor guy. But uh, I encourage everyone to go look that up, too. So Schlegel, 
full of energy, full of enthusiasm, really excited to help these players get better. And he's a big part of what Urban Meyer is doing in terms of getting these players to improve their strength, like DJ Chark, Robinson with his speed, and, and the rest of the I guys. I love Schlegel. He is a tone setter. Uh, and a tone changer at the same time. You know, he, he's a fun guy to be around. Um, even, you know, from his days at Ohio State, you know, it, he just brought so much to that team with his energy and just he's he's always been so kind of crazy. You know, like you said, he's a character. He's, he's a little yeah. crazy, but sometimes you need a little crazy, especially in football. You know, you, you just need a little bit of, of something different to really – be a difference maker. And I, I think he is, I think that players respond well to him. Um, you know, I, I can remember even, you know, just in like high school days or, you know, whatnot, you, you've always got one of those uh, coaches who are just a little bit different in terms of their energy and what they bring. And, and those guys are always, um, I think guys that resonate really well with the players and with the staff and, and it's showing, you know, the results are showing, like you said, he, you know, is a training maniac. He's got his own devices, his own training methods, and and you know, I, I could not have been any happier with the hire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, don't, I have no clue what's again. going on, man. I have no clue. I'm sitting. <laughs> <laughs> I keep dude. seeing. But just anyways, I think just to finish it off, I'm not kind of sure what was missed, but I, I love the hiring of Schlegel. It's probably my favorite hire. One of my favorite hires thus far. Yeah. And it's just for the Jaguars. It's awesome to go from such a negative situation with the Doyle hire to, for the pendulum to swing back this other way with Schlegel. Uh, it's a, it's a good, step in the right direction. I think he's going to help these guys out a lot. Uh, I want to talk about the wide receivers outside of DJ Chark as well. Just the skill position players on offense. I think they're being vastly underrated around the national media. I think DJ Chark, like I mentioned, I think he's a legitimate wide receiver one this year. But you talk about Visca. He's a guy that it's kind of a hot button topic for some reason where some people are wanting to peg him as, oh, he's only a gadget player. Some people are like, oh, he's only a receiver. Let him be both in my in my mind, and I think you're going to maximize his output if you if you do that. And that's what the Jaguars are trying I to do. I think he can truly do everything. He's a guy who can truly, like I said, be a receiver, be a gadget guy, go return a punt if you need him to, you know, line up in the backfield, go in motion. I mean, the guy can literally do everything, and I think that he's definitely going to be – probably the most improved player on this team. He's going to make that jump in year two. We saw everything that he did last year. You know, he, he was like one of the leading wide receivers in, in broken tackles or forced missed tackles and you know, all that stuff. You see him popping up time and time again on, you know, PFF rankings and, and the media for some reason is having a field day with him from OTAs. And it kind of boggled my mind a little bit just because it, it's only June. It's only OTAs. Like how much could he be showing you? But Maybe they're finally starting to realize, you know, what a guy LaVisca can be. And it just shows you how deep this wide receiver room can be and, and how, how many playmakers they could have on this roster. We've only mentioned Chark and Visca and didn't even mention Marvin Jones yet, who, you know, can arguably be, from some of the local media perspectives, one of the best free agent signings in all of the league. So it just shows you how dynamic this offense can be. 
if DJ Chart can be more physical, um, you know, continue to to run crisp routes and and have that breakaway speed, I think you're right. I think he's going to be a number one guy. He's going to be a game changer, a showstopper, and we saw that a little bit from him in year two. Um, you know, we saw what he was truly capable of, and I think he will take a step above that as well, you know, above his year two performance. He will go above and beyond this year. And I think he's really going to turn a lot of heads and become a guy that teams are really going to have to game plan for going forward. Yeah. And you look at, uh, you know, the depth, it's going to be so hard for these guys at the bottom, pretty much after, after the top three with Jones, Chenault and Chark. After those three guys, it's going to be tough to make this team. We got Colin Johnson competing. Philip Dorsett has looked really good in camp. He's been fast. Trevor Lawrence has had some chemistry with him. Uh, John Bay Johnson, he's incredibly fast. And Sanjay Law likes him. He's one of his guys. Uh, you got Godwin. You've got uh, Jalen Camp. It's going to be tough to to weed out this receiver unit because all these guys are kind of making some plays and making a name for themselves. And then you've also got these running backs, Travis Etienne, James Robinson. I love that Etienne's getting so much work as a receiver, and apparently he's taking it very well. Daryl Bevel said he's really going to be a guy that, similar to Chenault, where Chenault is a wide receiver that can do running back things. Etienne is a running back that can do wide receiver things. Uh I think it's very exciting. You really start to become a very dynamic and dangerous offense with guys like that. And it just, you know, further shows you the things that Urban Meyer and this offensive group are going to be able to do to create mismatches. Like you just said, you've got wide receivers who can line up at running back and, and do whatever in the wide receiver tree. You got running backs who can line up at wide receiver and do whatever from the backfield. It just adds a whole nother dynamic, a whole nother, uh, you know, just just part of the playbook that teams are going to have to be ready for. You know, where's this guy going to be on any given play? Where is that guy going to be on any given play? It adds depth in the backfield. It adds depth in the receiver room without having to compromise one or the other. You know, you don't have to now keep one extra receiver because you need him to do certain things. And same thing with the, with the running backs. It really adds you know, an extra dynamic for guys who can do both at both positions. I mean, that's basically four guys in two right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Two roster spots, but you know, they have the ability to do what four guys could do. I, I totally agree with you there. So that's pretty much it for my takeaways from mini camp. I think we covered quite a bit there. You have anything to the add? The biggest thing that I've taken away so far, or the next biggest thing, is is Walker Little and how much they're raving about him, especially yeah. George Warhop. Just he's big, he's strong, he's athletic, he's showing them so much, and I think that's great. Really, that's where you know we talk about forcing competition or, or trying to to just build a um, you know a culture of competition. That's what they need to be talking about. They need to be talking about the offensive tackles, you know, how bad they were last year. That's where they need to be bringing that competition. They need to come on and say, hey, this guy is pushing for a spot. This guy is pushing. That's where the competition needs to be had. And I think come minicamp, we're really going to see that. That offensive tackle position is going to be a hotbed because if Jawan Taylor comes out and has a year even remotely similar to what he had last year, that leash is going to be short, man. You cannot give up that many sacks in a season from the offense line as a whole, but from that specific position and expect this six, seven, 330 
pound man back here to not be breathing down your neck, I think he has a really good shot um, of making an impact this year. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Jawan Taylor can improve. Warhop said that he likes everything about all of the uh, guys up front in terms of run blocking, like they're good to go in that department. But he said Jawan Taylor specifically, I asked him about it, uh, that he needs to improve his pass sets, his consistency, and um, his technique uh, all around in terms of pass protection. So will he be able to do that? The The hope is yes. Ideally, I think you would like to see Taylor kind of take that step and then maybe Little can compete with Cam Robinson because you've only got him on the one-year deal. Yeah, he, he's the guy that you obviously have penciled in as a starter. You're going to have to see what you get from him because that, that's a future uh, you know, going forward. Is he going to be the long-term guy or not? So there's a lot of questions surrounding that group uh, you know, coming into the season, and, and I'm really excited to see what the offensive line does uh, in training camp. I mean, as an offensive line guy myself, it's just something that I've really hone in on and i am just super excited to see what they do with these guys they could really swing these guys around too i don't understand i mean i know there's money involved at the nfl and and everything like that but you were telling me that you couldn't have any of these guys playing inside where we have i think still a slightly glaring need with with aj can he's played better but he's still an undersized guy i'd rather have you know all six seven you know 330 pounds of, of walker little or even 6'5", Jawan Taylor bumping down inside just to add more line on the inside, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I just don't know if Taylor has the strength to play inside, but yeah, I think it'll be fascinating to see how those guys perform during training camp, and I do plan on getting out there as much as possible, you know, as long as the NFL's COVID-19 regulations with media allow that to happen. But it's about time for us to get into this mailbag, Jeremy. Make sure to follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markoski, myself at Jordan DeLugo, and of course, Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on the Apple Podcasts app. Greatly helps us reach more Jags fans. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate all our listeners. Without further ado, let's get into this mailbag. All right. From Colby the Dad. What kind of battle are we seeing at quarterback? I know Minshew won't give up easily. We talked about this a bit already, obviously. I don't think you are seeing a battle at quarterback. If anything, the battle is between Minshew and Bethard, and I think Minshew is definitely winning that battle. We can't forget Jake Luton. I I mean, truthfully, I I think that he's a guy whose name needs to be included in that grouping as well, and I think the only battle you're seeing is, like you said, the battle for the number two spot. I think Bethard obviously benefits from his relationship with, um, you know, the, the, the GM's time in, in San Francisco, Balky. Uh, and, and that's probably mostly why he's here. He's got some veteran experience as well. But, you know, he, he did he did say Minshew's not going to give up. I think Minshew, um, even knowing what he knows, you know, he knows this is Trevor's job. It's not a secret. He's still going to play hard. He's just one of those guys. He's a great guy to have in the locker room, I think. And, uh, you know, you hear reports that that him and Minshew are, or, or him and Trevor, excuse me, are super close. Um, they hang out outside of of uh, training camp or OTAs and, and outside of the building. And you know, I think that um, that's definitely a good spot. You know, Trevor can learn more about the NFL uh, from Minshew. He's obviously got some experience, but there's no real competition, unfortunately, unless it's for that number two spot. Yeah, yeah. 
think that's pretty clear at this point. Although the Jaguars coaching staff wouldn't have you believe that. Now, Mark Augs 8. Did Tebow's chances of making the team increase after OTAs? I think they're about the same, personally. Um, this is a guy who is going to be fighting for the bottom of the roster. He has, you know, as you would expect, he's carried himself incredibly well. He's in great shape. There have been reports out of minicamp and OTAs that he's caught pretty much everything thrown his way. Uh, so I think his chances are still high of making the roster just because I, I think Urban Meyer doesn't bring him here unless he thinks he has a real shot at making I agree. Um, I think that they have increased a little bit. I don't think they're necessarily the same. They've increased a little bit, but I think the chances were always good. You know, uh, as much as I don't want it to happen and I don't think it's a – I don't think it's a football move at all. Uh, I think it will happen, but they've admitted that they've seen improvement and they've seen more than they expected to see. Like you said, he's caught pretty much everything, uh, you know, in camp and, and, you know, he's had some issues with the blocking and the footwork and the hand placement and stuff like that. But that stuff can be teached or teached. God, that was bad. That stuff can be taught. Um, but he's an athlete and I think, I think he can be taught hand placement. He can be taught footwork. He can be taught positioning and stuff like that. So I actually think his, his chances have probably increased a little bit. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think that urban is more loyal to winning than he is to Tim Tebow. And I think at the end of the day, if he truly believes that Tebow doesn't add anything to this team that would help them win, help them compete. I don't think he'll be out of the organization, but I don't necessarily know if he'll be on the 53 man roster. Yeah, one thing to note, too, is it seems like the entire locker room has kind of embraced him being there. And they've done so because he comes in and he busts his ass. So anybody that does that, they're going to respect. And uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see him in training camp once the pads go on. Maybe see him in the preseason a little bit. Uh, see where he's really at. But, yeah, there's been nothing super negative about about it from any players, coaches, Anything like that is it? It is a tough transition. Tight end is difficult, having to be able to block and be a receiver, knowing all those different assignments. It'll be tough for him, but uh, at this point, it looks like there's a good chance he's going to make the team. This is somewhat related from I am Chris Woods. He says Urban said the tight end group isn't where he wants it. Will they make a push for Ertz? Well, he had, he did say the tight end group isn't where it needs to be, but he did say also that it's one of the most improved groups on the team, especially when you look at O'Shaughnessy. Um, and I believe he also said Ben Ellison, but yeah, I, I don't really think they're going to make a push for earth. It wouldn't shock me if they did, but the main reason I don't think that they would is because I think that they want, like urban Meyer wanted to see these guys in minicamp. I think he's just going to want to have more time to get these guys where he wants them. Now, if they make the trade before the start of training camp, then I wouldn't be surprised. But if they get two weeks into training camp and then you're talking about trading for Ertz, that would really I think uh, the training camp is definitely going to be more telling because you're going to see a lot more team activities, full contact, a lot of the things that are really going to make them realize you know where they really are. Yeah, they could have been the most improved uh, position group on the team, but they were also, in my opinion, undoubtedly the worst position group on the team coming at the OTA. Right. So take that with Absolutely. a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, and yeah, he he said that they're not where they need to be, but I'm not quite sure if that means that they need to make 
a move at the position outside of the roster or if he just wants to see more improvement before the season. So I think uh, mini camp is definitely going training camp is definitely going to be a much better uh, telltale of what they're going to do going forward. I still think they need to make a move, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. They seem pretty content with the players out on the roster right now. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that does play out because, yeah, I, I don't think anyone would question that it would be good for them to upgrade the talent at that position. Now, Bosch Jergman, good buddy of mine, Josh, one of my groomsmen in my wedding last month. Shout out to Josh. How many Super Bowls will Urban and Trevor win in Jacks? I feel like we answered this question last time we did a mailbag, but I'm going to answer again. I'll start off. Uh, I think together they will win one. That's my prediction. Who knows if that's going to play out? So much goes into winning a Super Bowl, obviously. But I'm going to go with one together. I think Trevor will outlast Urban in Jacksonville just because of Urban's age, health conditions, all that. And maybe Trevor will get one after that. Who knows? But I'm going to say they'll win one. I I think Urban's here um, at least until he wins one, unless things go extremely poor and this team comes nowhere close to winning a Super Bowl. But like you said, I mean, I really think that Urban's window here is probably no more than five, five years. Um, So with that being said, you know, you're obviously not anticipating winning one this year. Um, and next year you might make a big jump and, and I think everyone would hope that you do. So you're looking at maybe year three, year four, potentially year five, but I would definitely see one coming uh, in those years. At least that's the hope. You know, you, you would have to think that if Trevor's really the guy that you think he is and Urban's really the coach that we all believe him to be, you'd have to at least expect one in the next five years. Yeah, and you know, predicting a Super Bowl for any team is just so hard, especially for a team coming off a one and fifteen season, never won a Super Bowl, never been to a Super Bowl. So just to go out and on a limb and say one, I think some people are like, oh, only one. If they get one, that is a huge win for Jacksonville, a huge win for the Jaguars. So uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. A Thorpe fifty eight, another big time friend of mine and another groomsman. Appreciate them for for coming through with the mailbag questions here. Which second year player will have the biggest impact both on offense and defense? Um, do you want to sure. get us kicked um, off with this one? No, no, I, that, that, that one was pretty easy in my mind. I think on offense, um, it's going to be James Robinson. Um, you're going to want to take some of the load off Trevor Lawrence's shoulder, especially early. Um, you know, in regards to controlling the offense, they're going to run the ball a lot. I think, um, especially early on from a lot of different positions. And I think that James Robinson is really going to benefit from that the most. I think he's still going to be the workhorse back. Um, obviously, you know, ETN's going to have a big role in the offense, but I think James Robinson's really going to, you know, show everyone that that rookie season was not a fluke. He's here to stay and he's here to be a workhorse back in the NFL on defense. Um, you know, I, I've got to thank Devon Hamilton. Um, I've heard reports that if the season started today, he would be uh, your starting nose guard and they've loved everything they've seen from him. I think he's poised to make a big jump here in year two. Um, didn't see a whole lot from him last year, but I think, you know, he, he's definitely going to benefit from the playing time. And, and just if everything they're saying is correct, I expect him to be a very, very productive guy on the defensive line. Yeah, he's one of my guys, obviously. I loved him in the draft. I was, I had him ranked as a early second rounder, so they were able to get him in the third. That was pretty awesome. I'm, I'm big on Devon as well. But that opened it up for me, I think, two pretty easy choices 
other than those two guys, when you look on offense, LaVisca Chenault, the star of the show so far in training camp, I mean, excuse me, in minicamp and OTAs, he's a freak. Uh, he was coming off of a core muscle injury last year going into his rookie season that affected him during the NFL draft process. He's not dealing with that anymore. Fully healthy. Again, been working with this new training staff. Been busting his ass trying to be the best player he can be. He's a freak. I think you could see just monstrous impact from him. I do agree with you, though. I think James Robinson, he's going to have a much bigger uh, role in this offense than I think a lot of people around um, around football are giving him credit for. A lot of folks are just kind of saying Travis Etienne's about to take over. I think Etienne is going to get a lot of carries. I think he's going to get a lot of uh, – targets in the passing game but i still think james robinson's going to be the leader when it comes to uh rushes in 2021 for the jaguars i don't think it'll be particularly close honestly um and then defensively you got caleb on chase on he's a guy that came on at the end of last season was really getting after the quarterback in terms of those pressure numbers he needs to get sacks he needs to play more fluid and just more uh just more aggressively, really. And I think he can do both of those things in this new defense. So you got four guys there that we just talked about. I think all four of them have a good shot at being uh, the biggest impact for the second-year players here. And then Kev keeps it 100. Is Andre Sisko a week one starter? Any updates on his health? Uh, Health-wise, he's still expected to be a full go for the start of training camp. And then... Jeremy, if you want to tackle, is he a week one starter? If he's healthy, I think he is. Um, you know, you, you've you've got Rayshon Jenkins, who um, is going to play the other side, and I think he's pretty penciled in. But outside of that, you know, the the safety position is is really a weak one. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't think you really saw anybody emerge uh, in, in minicamp and OTAs. And Daniel I've heard Thomas a lot about Daniel lot Thomas. I have, and that's, you know – uh, and he made some plays. And, and last I've heard his name as, as being well, the so. alternate guy, but just you know, he, he's been around for a little bit. He still really hadn't made that splash. I think Andre Cisco is a see ball, get ball guy. He's a turnover machine. He's a ball hawk, something that we don't really have on this defense. And I think if he's healthy, week one, he's absolutely on the field as your safety, free safety. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. It's tough because. I know that Joe Cullen's going to like Jared Wilson's dependability. I know Daniel Thomas has been making a ton of plays. Obviously, Rayshon Jenkins is going to be out there. I think the Jags think Tyson Campbell can play some safety. Maybe some of the other corners can do that as well. And I don't think you're just going to see these always traditional safety roles that you talk about. I do think Andre Sisco will see the field week one, assuming he's able to get start training camp and, uh, and, you know, be full go uh, for training camp. I do think you'll see him on the field and packages. I don't know that he will be a week one starter, but they talk about they're going to ro- rotate these guys in and out. They're going to give a lot of different looks. So I do think you'll see him on the field, even if he's not a starter. But yeah, you said it. He's a C ball, get ball, turn C ball, get ball, turnover machine. It's going to be hard to keep him off the field if he's healthy. And um, Sebastian Ray. 
Are we beating the Titans twice this year? Absolutely. What do you, you want me to do? Say no? Of course we are. And I respond on Twitter as well. Send him a nice little gift. Absolutely. I, I, I've mentioned this before. I do not hate any other team as much as I hate the Titans. The Patriots come in as a very close second. I mean, it's neck and neck. But if you're ever going to ask me if we're going to win, I'm going to say yes. And we're going to beat the Titans two times this year and every year to come uh, for the next uh, 15 years. <laughs> I love it, Jeremy. I sadly am not on the same page as you there. The Julio trade, it mattered. I mean, you lost Corey Davis. You lost your offensive coordinator. You lost Johnny Smith. Okay, not looking so great. Well, now we have Julio Jones and A.J. Brown and Eric Henry and a quarterback who has just been dominating in this offense ever since he's gotten there, at least in the regular season. Uh, I don't see it happening. I know the Titans lost some defensive talent, but you've still got stars out there on defense and Kevin Byard, Simmons, um, the linebacker they've got. I'm drawing Carol a blank Landry. on his name right now. Oh, wait, no, is, Landry, is Landry still there? No, he's a pass rusher, yeah. But uh, I don't know why I can't think of his name. But then you've also got Caleb Farley coming in, who I love, assuming he's healthy at corner. You've also got... Uh, Elijah Molden, who I just I also love him. He can play corner and safety, nickel corner, safety type of guy. So I I long story short, I think the Titans will beat the Jaguars. If we're not at being facetious, um there's just two words to answer that question, and those words are Derek Henry. That should tell you how uh those games are probably yeah. gonna go, at least the first one. Who knows, you know, how they're doing later in the season. Yeah, I mean Derrick Henry and Julio Jones and AJ Brown as your top three. Pretty sure Derrick Henry has guys, half his just... career yards against the Jaguars. So, yeah, yeah, it's a shame, but who knows? We'll see how it goes, and we'll talk about those matchups, you know, much more in depth as we as we get into the season. Obviously, now our final mailbag question comes from Joko Gorin Garina. I'm sure I totally butchered that, but that's what happens when we get some of these weird uh, handles on social media. So is it too soon for asking Moses and the rest of the UDFA performances if they've stood out? So I haven't been at practices. I know you haven't either. So the only one I know that has popped up on a lot of reporters that have been at practice is DJ Daniel. Uh, the cornerback from Georgia, he was a very productive player at Georgia, um, and he's made some plays. I know he's uh, gotten his hand on the ball a couple times throughout OTAs and minicamp, so that's the only guy I can really comment on. And Moses, I just wouldn't really expect much from in year one. He was coming off that injury, wasn't healthy in 2020, even though he was playing. I just think he needs to get his body right before Is he Is the question more... Do we, should we expect to hear things about the undrafted free agents or what? I think it was uh, asking okay. who has stood okay, out yeah, yeah. so far. I, I haven't, like you said, haven't been to practice either. So I haven't really heard much about the undrafted free agent guys. Um, but, you know, kind of should you should we be hearing some things about them? I would actually say so. Yes. Kind of, you know, curb the question a little bit. Surprised we haven't heard more about it. You know, these, these mini camps, these OTAs before you get into actual training camp are you know, usually the times where you start to hear about some of these off the radar guys who are kind of making their presence known. And I personally haven't really heard of much, you know, the story has obviously been a lot about Trevor and T 
Tebow and LaVisca. So that has a lot to play into it. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't really expect to hear much about anything from, from Dylan Moses, uh, especially in the offseason. He is still rehabbing that knee, and, and I think they made it very clear that you know he was coming to Jacksonville to rehab and then potentially pursue a career afterwards. So um, we're not going to hear much from him probably at all this season. But, um, you know, as the offseason goes on, you know, that's where these guys make their names. You know, this is where James Robinson made his name, and, and look what happened with him. So hopefully we'll hear some more uh, as we go on. You know, now that I think about it, I am a little surprised we haven't really heard any of those um, – you know, pop out names yet, but that's the world of, of undrafted free agency. You know, it's, it's really your shot to make a name and people aren't going to realize it. If you don't, they're only going to notice you if you do. So unlike some of these other guys, you know, they're going to get pressed regardless. These guys have to, you know, make a name for themselves that wasn't there. So hopefully they will do that. Some of them at least. And, and, you know, we could always use a couple of extra, you know, diamonds in the rough on the team. That's for sure. Yeah, and I just think it's going to be harder this year than it has been in years past for for undrafted free agents on the Jaguars roster to make a name for themselves because they added so much depth this offseason in free agency in the draft. I mean, you have a ton of draft picks, a ton of free agents coming in. You already had a lot of young talent on the roster. It's just going to be tougher than it was It, it last will be, year. and that's something that I wanted to mention earlier. Um, I'm glad you brought it back up is the depth that we have on this team is unfounded compared to the depth we had last year. You talked about the defense and, and you know how banged up they were last year earlier. And I wanted to come back in and say, yes, I understand that. And you might see that again this year, but I think we're so much more well-equipped to handle injuries this year than we were last year. You have guys that really guys that are going to be fighting for playing time guys that you expect, you know, in years past, like Tyson Campbell, you know, the, the, the defensive back room is really, really crowded just like the wide receiver room we obviously need to see more out of those guys but you got to feel confident knowing that if one guy goes down you've got another guy who has shown some promise or at least they thought pretty highly of uh, you know waiting in the wings yeah i agree with you and and that's that's good for the football team no question about it depth depth has not been at a premium in jacksonville at a lot of positions for a long time and it looks like that's going to start to trend in the opposite direction so very exciting stuff there. Overall, I mean, I just think – I don't think you should be expecting a playoff run or anything like that yet. This is a team that still hasn't named their starters, for crying out loud, even the ones that we know are definitely going to start. But you've seen a lot of positives come out of minicamp so far. You're not going to get to see this team back on the field until late July. We've got over a month um, till training camp. But uh, this is the time to – just get excited. Get excited for what you're going to see in training camp. And then preseason, of course, we've got three preseason games, 17 regular season games. I believe last time we talked, Jeremy had the team at 9-8. and eight. I had him at 8-9. and nine. We'll get back into some of those type of predictions throughout the preseason and training camp and all that good stuff. But ju- just for now, just take it for what it is. They haven't had a padded practice yet. But you have seen the growth from Trevor Lawrence you want to see. You have seen uh, the the culture and the program that you want to see from Urban Meyer. And you've seen a lot of other guys really buying in. And you've seen Shaquille Griffin and Rayshon Jenkins taking on leadership roles. It's all good right now. And it's going to be all good for most teams outside of probably Green Bay and Houston right now. But uh it's a good time to be a Jaguar fan, certainly much better than it has been. 
So enjoy it and just get ready for training camp and preseason. That's what we're going to do as well. A big shout out to Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jag podcast. Enjoy your weekend, Duval. Go Jags. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.